This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where we take a closer look and dig a little deeper into this week's sermon. What's going on, Bible nerds? We're talking about Phoebe. Let's take a closer look. Yo, she's a cool girl. Yeah. Um, so Phoebe, I'll be honest, we don't know a ton about her. She's only listed here in the text we're going to look at, and she only gets two verses. But from those two verses, we can conclude a massive amount of information for her. Mm-hmm. So, first of all, let, let's just talk about women for, for just a second. Because we've we're like six, seven, eight weeks. I don't know how many weeks are we in at this point into our sport lady series, but we've done a lot about women. Yep. And I think looking at women practitioners of the faith, and especially who they were affirmed by, mm-hmm. who they were co working with. <clears throat> debunk a whole lot of garbage ideas about what women can and cannot do in the church and in society. Sure. So we've looked at Lydia, a very wealthy woman who's figured out how to make it in the ancient world on her own. We looked at Priscilla, who, even though she had a husband, clearly takes the front role in the work of the ministry as an apostle alongside her husband and Paul. Yep. Um, we've looked at um, Mary from Mary and Martha, mm-hmm. looking at how she takes on the role of a man being discipled by Jesus. Um, I'm trying to think of who all. Oh, we've looked at Deborah, a judge of the nation of Israel, of the people of God. Yeah. And does miraculous things. We looked at Miriam, who's a leader of the people out of the Exodus. Like these practitioners, these women who are practicing ministry and leading ministry, reveal to us a whole lot about what was actually thought as being kosher Hmm. by both, I think, God and Paul himself. Yeah. Because like throughout the narrative, right, it's not like we, we have to wait all the way until the New Testament for women to show up in positions of power. They're there in the Old Testament. Sure, yeah. And so I want to say all of that because we have to kind of piece all of that together in order to talk about Phoebe. Because... Paul mentions Phoebe in Romans. Yeah. I don't think it's lost on anyone that Romans may be the most difficult letter of Paul. Hmm. I I hesitate to say in the New Testament as a whole, strictly because you have Hebrews and Revelation. 
Yeah. Both of which very challenging. I mean, revelation is apocalyptic. It's, it's its own thing. Really hard to understand. There's like literally a hundred or more interpretations of revelation. Yeah. Hebrews is Hebrew. I don't know what else to say. It is Hebrews. It's got Melchizedek. It's got the faith chapter. It's got all these things about theology and it's unnamed who the author is. So those two, I think, are maybe a bit more challenging to interpret and understand. Sure. But as far as Paul goes, it's Romans. Yeah. Um, it's almost, and I don't know if you counted word for word, it might be his longest letter. First um, Corinthians has 16 chapters as well. Mm-hmm. So I can't say that with full confidence. But it is clearly his most theologically advanced letter. Yeah. Now, I will say, this book right here, reading Romans backwards, has helped me a ton in understanding this book. And I think that it's less about theology and more about the social ethic mm-hmm. than I've ever thought. Paul uh, Scott McKnight in reading Romans backwards has really helped me with that. And for him, I don't want to say his argument hinges on Phoebe, but his argument is far less powerful without Phoebe. I got you. Because here's what the text says. Here's what Paul says about Phoebe. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church at Centria, so that you may welcome her in the Lord as is fitting for the saints and help her in whatever she may require of you, for she has been a benefactor of many and of myself as well. Okay? So, once again, in two verses, there's a lot of junk there we got to talk about. Yeah. First, Paul says, I commend to you our sister. When Paul says brothers and sisters, he means Christians. So she's first and foremost a believer. And that's what Paul wants you to know about her. Because, listener, first and foremost, and as much as I'm telling you this, I need to hear it from myself, your identity is in Christ. Mm. It's not in what you do. It's not in how much money you make. It's not in any of those regards. Your identity is that you are a believer of the grace found through the love of Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul lets them first and foremost know about her. But then he begins to list accolades. Yeah. A deacon of the church. Clayton, why do I hesitate to think that Paul wrote 1 Timothy? Well, because he has that whole thing about uh, not permitting um, women to be deacons. Right. Well, women uh, to have any position of authority. Right. And specifically in First Timothy, when it talks about the qualifications of a deacon, they are to be men of one wife. Yeah. But not here, wife of one man. Right. Right. It, and not spouse of spouse. Now, I don't know how you would say that in Greek. I don't know that that 
you'd have to offer a clarifying statement if you were trying to include both genders because mm-hmm. there's no way there's no word for spouse mm-hmm. or mutual partner or something like that or at least not that I know of I guess it could be like in an Attic Greek or something but not sure. not anything I've ever seen in the New Testament but here And other translations, if you're reading in the ESV or possibly the NIV or some other translation, you're going to get that translation as servant. Mm. Why? Because as much as we don't like to talk about it, when you pick up a translation of the Bible, you are committing a wealth of trust to those translators. Mm -hmm. We've talked about this a ton on pints and perspectives. Yep. If you are listening to a closer look and you have not seen our uh, series on the Bible on pints and perspectives, our other podcasts, go to our website, mywellhouse.church, go to our content page, you'll find pints and perspectives, and you can go find pints and perspectives on whatever podcasting platform you want to listen to it on yep. and listen to our Bible series. Because you are giving a wealth of trust to these people. Sure. And so there are translations that will say servant, Mm -hmm. but it is misleading. Is servant a synonym of deacon? Yes, it absolutely is. What are deacons supposed to be? Servants. Now, if you grew up in conservative Baptist life, we judge deacons based on the qualifications of deacons, but then we ask them to be elders. Right. And so it is misleading in that regard. But biblically, deacons are servants. Where was the deacon introduced, Clayton? Uh, don't actually know. It's an axe. They are introduced in Acts because they keep coming to the elders with this problem that mm. the women are not being cared for. And so they institute deacons to care for the widows. Mm. They are servants. First and foremost, they are servants. They are not elders. If you go to a church that has deacons and they don't serve, but they have deacons meetings and they run the church, you are not acting as a biblical church, quote unquote. Now, I'm not going to say you're necessarily wrong because there are boards and elders and positions talked about in the Bible and in the New Testament. So you're not wrong, but your church is definitely wrong in calling them deacons because they're not. Deacons are servants. So the translators that choose servant there are not wrong. However, it is misleading because deacon is not actually an English word. Deacon is a transliteration of a Greek word. Okay. So transliteration and translation are different. So diakasune is the Greek word for righteousness. Me naming that word righteousness is a translation. Me using the word soteriology is a transliteration because it's two Greek words that I have not translated. I've repurposed them to mean an English word. Mm. So soteriology is two things. So, or soteer, is the Greek word for salvation. Right. 
ology is a formation of logos, which is the study of or communication of. Or Literally means word. Yeah. So it's the, the study of or meaning of salvation. Yeah. That's a transliteration. Deacon is a transliteration of the Greek word diakonos. So to call Phoebe a servant is extremely misleading mm. because there's also another word in the Greek language that means servant or slave. Right. Doulos, right? Yes. Good job. Look at you. You are learning. I'm learning something. Paul could have used doulos. Mm. He uses it for himself. He does earlier in this. Well, in I don't, this I'm looking right now. I don't know if he calls himself in Romans a slave to Christ, but he does it in other letters. Yeah, he does. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, before I do that, I'm actually going to look and make sure that it is the Greek word doulos. Oh, because I don't, I didn't look. Yep, doulos. Okay. So Paul uses that word. Yeah. And it means something very different than diakonos. Mm-hmm. So to tell us that she is a servant is misleading. She sure. is a deacon. Yeah. She holds an office at the church at Centria. There is power there given to her. Yeah, it's an office, right? We we at least know from Timothy that it's an office of the church. Yeah, it's important. She's been given it. Mm-hmm. You cannot miss that. But then... He wants them to welcome her and do whatever she may require from you. How in the world would someone go to a church that they've never been to and require something of them with such authority? Hmm. Because she's carrying this letter. Mm. You want to know who the first preacher of the letter to the Romans was? It was Phoebe. Phoebe is the first preacher of Romans. Phoebe is the one who carries the letter from the hand of Paul and reads it. And once again, Scott McKnight, I'm sure Scott McKnight has a blog on patheos.com. You could go look up his uh, quote unquote spark notes version of his book and and look at all of this about Phoebe. But she more than likely, not only does she preach it, but she performs the letter. It's it's a performance. She is doing something. She is before the church. And it's also, might I mind you, it's the house churches that are in Rome. Right. A that plurality. She's going around. She's going around and doing this at all the churches. Yeah. How are you going to say that women don't have authority when Paul has just given her a massive amount of authority? Yeah. She's carrying this letter. She's preaching it. She's performing it. And they've been told... Do whatever she asks. Mm. Paul's just given her, 
um, a blank check, basically, of whatever she wants, yep. you should do it. And then there's one last thing I want you to know about Phoebe. For she has been a benefactor of many and of myself as well. What's a benefactor, Clayton? I was actually sitting here thinking about that and what that means and what that looks like in this context, and I'm not quite sure what it means and looks like in the context. She's paying his way. She's paying for Paul. She's a benefactor. She's a contributor. Right. So if you... If you... We're an organization, and I was a wealthy person, which I'm not. It's okay. Me neither. If I gave you money yep. to your organization, you would be the beneficiary of my benefactor. Okay. So that means that she is supporting him financially, and apparently other people too. She's apparently pretty loaded. Yeah. Especially considering that she's in the financial position, that she's a deacon at uh, Centuria and can take the trip, the journey to Rome mm. and spend quite a bit of time there with them and then journey back. Yeah. She's quite wealthy. She would have to be. Yeah. She can't do that on her own. I mean, well, she can do that on her own, but she can't do that if she's poor. Mm -hmm. She's got to be quite well off. Phoebe is a fascinating character when it comes to New Testament women. Well, and, and when you look at the, the intricacies of what's happening here, when you look deep into the complexity, there's a lot happening in those two verses. Yeah. Um, Paul gives us a lot of information in very few words. There's a lot of information in those two verses, but fantastic story, like overall. Yeah. Fantastic. I had never heard the idea that she was carrying the letter. Mm, yeah. I'd never heard that before, but now that I have, hmm. I, and need that's to, why I, I need to step back and think about that. That's why I say Scott McKnight's argument doesn't hinge on Phoebe. But it's very. But important. his entire narrative there throughout what is it chapters ten, and the strong and the weak, and then leading up to fourteen, all of that hinges on a social dialogue. Yeah. That dialogue is received very different if Paul sent a man, mm. but he doesn't. He sends a well-off woman, a woman who has a track record of being a faithful servant of Jesus, a woman who's been given an influential office at a church, a woman who has made it in society to go to these people and tell them, get rid of your power dynamic. Get rid of the strong and the weak. Move to a place of equality. Move to a place of equity. I'm sending you a woman. 
to stand before you and tell you that your number one identity is a person beloved by Jesus. And you should be living that same love to every single person around you. And who better to embody that than the woman who has made a plethora of cash and gave it away to all these people who are doing the work of ministry and giving of her free time to be a deacon, to serve not only the Lord, but people. Yeah. What does a deacon do? They serve people. I had a friend of mine recently. He's a pastor, a church planter in Houston, and he wrote a confession of faith. And one of his confessions, I thought it was so good. He said, we can never let our doctrines sacrifice the person standing before us. Mm. A deacon embodies that. Yeah. Phoebe embodies that. Our doctrines don't sacrifice our love for individual people who are loved by Jesus. Amen. So, listener, what do I want you to know today? Phoebe's cool, number one. Yeah. Phoebe's a BA. Yeah. Secondly, I don't care, man, woman, gender fluid. We've all got a thing to learn from Phoebe. Mm. We all have expendable income. Yep. We all have gifts and talents that can be used by the church. And we all could do a better job of embodying our identity as people of faith, beloved by Jesus more than anything in this world.